Welcome to Pastor's Class for our study through this Sermon on the Mount. If you have your copy of the Bible with you there, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6 as we'll be in the first few verses of the chapter. And then we're, we'll skip on down because there's really these three parallel phrases found in Matthew 6 talking about the, these three spiritual disciplines in a way and how we should practice them from giving to prayer and to fasting. And so we'll walk down through those three, but the, the general overall theme in Matthew 6 is one of the warning to a person who's a hypocrite, someone who is not who they say they are. It's oftentimes what you hear uh, from people who say they don't go to church. And you ask them why, they say the church is full of hypocrites. And it's a terrible thing to call someone a hypocrite or to be thought of as someone who doesn't actually live out their faith and they say they're one thing and another. You don't, you don't want that said about you. But the temptation is real. You know, you, you think of it for other people, but the temptation for all of us is real to want people to see ourselves more spiritual than we actually are. I remember when I was a kid, uh, I grew up going to church, but I remember going to another church, my cousin's church, and we went into their class. I was probably elementary school, and we sat down in the group, and they start out of nowhere calling on everybody to quote their scripture for the week. And I remember kind of freezing up that there was this spiritual expectation place, and I'm like, man, I just walked in the door. And I remember having this impulse to like fake quote or remember some other verse I had and all of a sudden I wanted people to think I had something that I didn't actually have. And that's oftentimes the impulse we have as Christians is we want people to see ourselves more spiritual than we actually are. We're not genuinely showing who we are. And for a hypocrite, the actual Greek term comes from, you know, actors who would come to the play and wear masks and intend to, dis intend to show a different person and everybody knew they were an actor. But now what we're talking about here are people that are coming to church or going to places, they put on a mask so they might show uh, they are someone else. So for, for that purpose, we, we need to examine kind of ourselves and say, how is it that we're giving, we're praying, and how is it we're fasting? And so these three uh, terms we're going to look at in Matthew 6, and really we're going to look at the heart. Now, uh, before we get to the warnings, there's a context verse here that was pointed out in the commentary, just as a point of note. We, we've been using the Christ-centered exposition uh, commentary on this chapter. In fact, my outline comes from that. And as, the, as uh, uh, Dr. Aiken uh, opens this up, he, he talks about how Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 says, In the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. He says, you know what, you, you're going to do things and your, your goal as you do these spiritual acts is so that people might see what you do and they would bring glory to God in heaven. But then we get to Matthew 6 and there's this warning about other things you do and how you should not do them publicly. So we'll, we'll kind of balance it here, but let me show you the first point, the first overarching 
uh, piece, and I've already mentioned it, it's giving. It says, watch your motives when you give. And motives are everything when we give, when we pray, and when we fast. And so we need to watch our motives. We're not to, to give seeking the praise of others. Look at, look at uh, chapter 6. We'll, we'll start to break it down. We've looked at that verse in chapter 5. Look at chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So, so now he warns against practicing these righteous acts, which giving, praying, and fasting will be the three examples here. And he, he says, don't do it before other people in order to be seen by them. So well, wait, well, in chapter 5, it just said practice your good deeds uh, in front of people. So what's the difference? Why can you do those good deeds in front of people and these you need to not? The, the big difference is that this person is practicing so that people might see them the, the chapter 5 motive is so that they might see the good deeds and bring glory to God in heaven. It's not so that you'll get uh, glory, but so that God will get glory. See, the contrast here between the two actions is the motive. It, it's, it's the heart behind what you're doing. So when you give, pray, fast, why do you do it? What, what's, the, what's the motive? And I, I don't... I don't know if we always see to the depths of sin in this way. In other words, it's real easy to, to simplistically look at sin as action. It's when you lie. It's when you gossip. It's when you do this particular thing. But sin all is rooted in the heart. And those actions come from a sinful heart, a sinful motive. So it's all about the heart. Uh, when we talk about being a hypocrite, it's, it's what's in your heart and why you're doing it. Even think back to the Garden of Eden. As Adam and Eve are there and the temptation of eating from the tree is right in front of them, you say, when did they first sin? And, and you know that the sin happened when they ate. But there had to be a moment where Eve decided, I'm going to eat that. It's better for me. And Adam sat there and watched and said, I'm not stopping her because I think this is the right path too. And Adam and Eve going into this moment of deciding to do that. I believe that's probably where the sin happened, right? Is that they decided to rebel against God and then they acted. So at the heart of the matter here is this contrast of doing your deeds so that men will notice or doing your deeds so that God will be recognized or noticed. So, so why do you do them? Now, let's, let's look at uh, exactly how giving should work. Verse 2, thus when you give to the needy, and so this is a phrase that will begin all these, when, when you pray, when you fast, and here, when you give. These spiritual disciplines and practices are not a, ah, we'll get to those as a bonus. These are actions that, are assumed as Christians. It's assumed you're going to be giving, praying, and fasting. The third one's a little more challenging, right? You know you should give, you know you should pray, but Jesus says when you fast. It's, it's something that's assumed to be a part of your spiritual walk. So it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. So for you, 
are you giving? Are you giving to the local church? Is there a, a regular giving practice of taking a of giving to the to the church? Are you doing that in your walk the Lord? Are, I, I, I would even expand it and say, are you a generous person? Are you a person that is giving to those needs that are around you? So then it says, okay, well, if, if you are giving, if we're going to assume that you're doing that, here's how you do it. Notice what he says. He says, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. He says, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So sound no trumpet. Don't, don't make a big deal when you give as these fake believers are doing. In, in other words, as they're going in to give, they want everybody to notice what gifts they're giving. There's a sense at which they want to have a celebration over their gift. They want people to think they're giving. That's the danger of Acts chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. Their entire problem is not that they were not giving enough. Even Peter says that to them. You could have just kept the money. But the problem was that they came in and said, we're giving all that we bought this land for. So the entire amount that we bought the land for, we're giving that. And in fact, they were not. They were only giving a portion of that. So they were trying to act as if they were giving more than what they did. That's, that's hypocrisy. That's faking it as a Christian. So the, the question for you is, are, are you, in the area of giving, wanting people to think you're more generous than you actually are? And when you give, are you looking for the praise of others for your gifts? You want people to notice that you're giving because the purpose of your giving is not so that you're honoring the Lord. It's so that you receive the praise of others. And to press it into your heart, you have to ask, why am I giving? What's the motive? You should just when you're giving to the church, when you're giving to others, what's, what's the reason that you do it? And, and what's even interesting here, if you notice the verse 3, but when you give, give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Even among yourself, you shouldn't be walking around patting yourself on the back, saying, I'm a giver. Do you know how great I am? I know nobody else knows how generous I am, but I'm generous. And even among, even without even telling other people, you can become arrogant in your own giving. You should do it not for your own self-esteem, not for the building up of others. You should give seeking the pleasure of your heavenly Father. That's why you give. Simply for God himself. Notice verse 4, so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees you in secret will reward you. You see, your reward comes from someone who is watching you always. I know it's easy to begin to think all these people you're around are the real audience, but actually God is always watching. Even in secret, he sees what you do 
and what you think. He knows your motives. He's not fooled a bit by any hypocrisy. It, it doesn't fool him for a second. You know, at my house, we just got a new puppy. Uh, he's a, about three months old right now and loves to chew and run and, and create havoc. And so we, we take him out in the backyard and, and uh, we have a fenced in backyard. And so he goes out in the backyard and he just starts running. And we kind of have a little bit of a hill up in the back and there's some bushes with berries on it that he doesn't need to be eaten. And uh, he, for whatever reason, I, I don't understand it, but the dog likes to, we got, we got some real good food in the house for him, but he likes to eat grass. He likes to eat pine needles. He likes to eat sticks. He's just running around and eating everything that he shouldn't. And so he's running and doing whatever, but what he gets comfortable. If you leave him out there for a while, he thinks nobody's watching. He just gets living in a world where he thinks he can walk around, do whatever he wants. And he, he forgets that we're sitting there watching him the whole time. And he, he, he uh, thinks he can get away with whatever. I think that oftentimes with the Lord, because we, because we get in this world thinking we're around people. I'm going to please him, her. I'm trying to receive the praise of man. We forget that God is always watching. He's always watching our heart, our motives, and what we're doing. And we should, we should be anchored in desiring to please him above anything else. So when you give, that's an assumed thing, are you giving for the Lord? Is that your motive that you're giving to him? So that means that even if other things upset you or you don't like certain things or somebody didn't appreciate what you did, you never did it for them to start with. Your generosity, your giving, your regular giving to the local church, all of those things come from a desire to please the Lord. So that's our giving. That's how we give in this genuine manner, but also let's talk about our prayer. We should watch our motives when we pray. So when you pray, watch your motives. Notice verse 5 again. It says, and when you pray. It's assuming that you're praying. So if you, if you struggle in your prayer life, I, the first piece of advice I would do is give you is just say, pray more. Most likely, if your prayer life is a struggle, you're not praying. So just, just get started. Just get moving. So when you pray, start praying. But then let's talk about how you should pray. You should pray sincerely to your heavenly Father. It should be genuine words. Look at what he says. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues. They love to stand at the street corners that they may be seen by others. And truly I say to you, you, uh, the, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Th this means that their goal in prayer is not so God would hear them. Their goal in prayer is so that other people would hear them. That every time they prayed, it was in public. This is a question for your prayer life. Is, is your main prayer life happening at the dinner table when other people can hear? Or when you're asked to pray in a Bible study? Or is there a strong prayer life that happens in private. Now you may have this may not have this problem. You may not be this person. You may never want to pray in front of people. You get nervous. You don't like doing all that. So prayer privately is actually where you're most comfortable. Now some people are not the case. They they're very comfortable in front of people. They they like praying out loud. And this this is a temptation honestly for pastors that you 
oftentimes will do prayers. I mean, even as a pastor, every, you know, you go to any family gathering, gathering you have and it's time to eat, you're the token prayer. They know you're the one who's going to pray, uh, which is fine. But, but it becomes where you are praying oftentimes in these public settings. And it's easy even in those moments to, to pray for those that are listening and not pray for the Lord. I, I've heard it said that people that have long prayers in private typically have short prayers in public. And people that have short prayers in private have long prayers in public. Or as somebody said before, don't have your quiet time uh, with us here in front of you. In other words, don't, if you've not prayed, this is not the time to drag for you to meet with the Lord in this moment. You, you need to have had a balanced part of your life where you're, you're praying in private so that in that moment in public, it's just a natural outflowing from the rest of your walk. So, so we should constantly be striving to, to pray to the Lord, sincerely to Him speaking. So let's talk a little bit more about that as we read down. We should pray sincerely, or we should pray secretly to our Heavenly Father. We, we should not just pray publicly when we're called upon, but there should be a constant communication secretly, like when nobody else hearing. You by yourself, you're praying to the Lord, which, you know, more and more now uh, with your phone, it's easy to never be by yourself, to never be alone, never just be quiet. And you can always be busy and have some sort of noise going. But we should be alone in secret with God. And notice what it says and how we should do it. Verse 6. When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So you should pray with earnest, clear words speaking to God Himself. So, so when you go into this private place, you're going to speak to God, just you and Him. So, so, so you need to think about how you need to set aside a place and a time where it's just you and the Lord speaking. You're just, you're just praying. It's oftentimes called the prayer closet. In other words, you're going to get away. It might be a closet at your house. Maybe your house is busy. You've got a bunch of kids and a bunch of family in there. Quarantine, everybody's staying at home, and you're jammed up together, and you've got you to work extra hard to find you a space to say, I'm going to be alone in, in prayer. That, that, that's what we're striving for. This, when you give, we're going to give secretly for the praise of God. And when you pray, you do the same thing. You're praying just for the Lord. You're not praying for others. Finally, here's the third uh, kind of component of this one, is we should pray specifically to your Heavenly Father. That's what we should ask Him for things. Look at verse 7. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. So th this is a, a temptation, especially if you've grown up in church, you've learned some empty phrases. Uh, I grew up in church and there was always a uh, deacon that would pray before the offering and he would say, God bless the gift and the giver. And I'm sure, I don't want to say they didn't mean it. I'm sure that there were quite a few 
um, godly men praying that and meant what they said. But the temptation when phrases like that get stuck into our praying life, you can say them and not have an ounce of meaning behind them. It's easy maybe even at the dinner table to have prayers that you constantly say and not mean them one bit. We have to be careful not to just get into routines of praying and saying words with any sort of heart meaning uh, behind it. So we need to come to the Lord and feel free to speak honestly with Him. In, in other words, we should make our words few, but make them count and mean them. And so I, I would encourage you to work on your practice when you, when you approach the Lord in prayer. Say, am I actually meaning the words I'm bringing to Him today? Slow down a little bit, think about what you're asking, and ask for some things. And let me just give you a couple thoughts on how I would approach my prayer in a more genuine, specific manner. The first way, as you think about asking the Lord in a more genuine manner, I would slow down and I would ask for some some more specific, uh, easy prayer requests. What I mean by that is sometimes our prayer requests are big. They're mountain moving. They, they have to do with the salvation of a distant loved one who is far from God. And it may take years for God to answer that prayer request. Your prayer life should not consist of these big prayers all the time. You need smaller things to ask the Lord for. During your day, as simple as you struggle through the day, asking the Lord to bless you as you try to work something out at work or asking the Lord to help you find something or asking the Lord to, to guide you as you have a difficult conversation. Just the, the simple things of your day, asking God to help you with those. You, you should make your prayers uh, more specific and more like you can immediately see God answer it. These are things that are right in front of you. So what I would do is if I were to encourage you today to, to kind of make your prayers more real, get them away from these far out requests, bring them into the day-to-day -day and start interacting with God with just the struggles you have on a day. So then when you wake up in the morning, it's not a prayer list for everything out there. It's actually you're praying through your calendar. What's happening that day is what you're lifting up to Him. So I would bring your prayer request down to something much more specific and close. And I hate to say easy, but something that God is going to answer in a much more timely manner. Another way uh, I would make my prayer life more real, and this comes from uh, uh, Paul Miller, has a book called A Praying Life. It's an excellent book. We've recommended it here before. And he talks a lot about uh, praying like a child. And I, I just want to read you one quote from the book. It says, we know that to become a Christian, we shouldn't try to fix ourselves up. But when it comes to praying, we completely forget that. We'll sing the old gospel hymn, just as I am. But when it comes to praying, we don't come just as we are. We try, like adults, to come fix ourselves up. And then our private, personal prayer is one of the last great bastions of legalism. In order to pray like a child, you might need to unlearn the non-personal, non-real praying that you've been taught. And so for, for a lot of us, we need to take off some of that kind of memory and phrases that we've picked up. And we just need to lay that down and come and just talk to the Lord. 
genuinely asking for the things we're struggling with. It's almost as if you've created this big world out here where these far off prayer requests, that's what we pray about. And then I got my day to day here. God, I got that one taken care of. No, I need the Lord day to day, minute to minute, second to second. I need him all the time. And so this is that praying without ceasing, just constantly like a child. You know, children, when they come ask stuff from mom and dad, they don't think, they don't clean it up. They, they don't sit there and say, Mom, I've thought long and hard about this. I've, I've written my three points of what I think I can ask you to do. No, they just come ask. They, just come to, they come to Mom and Dad and they just pour their heart out. That, that's the childlike faith we come with. We just come to the Lord. And as we pray, the Lord sorts through our sinful hearts and what we're asking for. He processes that with us. And so we come to Him bringing this. You're not going to clean up your prayers and they're going to be perfect before you get to him. You're, that's what he does when you start praying. So don't heap up a bunch of empty phrases when you come to him. Don't try to impress him. He's not impressed by that. He already knows what you need. He's not, oh, I had no idea you needed that. He's looking at your life right now. He knows you need it. In fact, he knows more of what you need than you know. But as you pray, he is teaching you. He's working with you. So you need to come with him in this genuine, honest faith. So when you pray, you're going to do it to the Lord in secret, in private, this honest prayer life. When you give, you're giving the Lord, not for other people, not so everybody else is going to be noticing it. Now let's get to the fun one. When you fast. Here's the third point. Watch your motives when you fast. Now fasting is one of those. Uh, in fact, this past summer, um, I preached on it for a Sunday. Um, uh, we preached on it for Sunday, myself here and Kyler at Mallard Creek. And so we talked about this topic, which one not, doesn't get addressed very often. And there's a couple of warnings here in the passage talking about fasting. So uh, let's talk about those and we'll unpack fasting for a minute. Maybe something you can think about. The first one is don't draw attention to yourself when you fast. When you fast, don't draw attention. Look what it says. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So our goal in fasting is not so that other people will notice we're fasting. That means you're most likely going to not tell anybody that you're fasting. You're going to try to keep it private. Now, sometimes you have to let people know it might be offensive at why you're not eating. Uh, there may be a reason you skip going to lunch. Uh, but you're going to make a point of when you fast, you're, you're not doing it so everybody will go, man, look at that guy. He's fasting. Look how spiritual he is. That's not the goal. Look what he says. You, you just act normal when you fast. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may be seen by others, may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So, so you're going to act normal as you fast. You're not going to make a big deal about it. That Oh, man, I'm so hungry today. That, that's not the point. And to carry this a little bit further, I would, if you want to really understand, I'm not going to unpack how to fast here. Uh, but Ultimately, if you want to know why, you, you're doing it for spiritual purposes for a season so that you can focus on your walk with the Lord. 
It may be as you wrestle with an answer to a question. It may be as you try to forsake a sin. You, your purpose in fasting is to, to see some sort of growth in your life spiritually. And you're doing that in private with the Lord. So these are all private disciplines. You're, you're giving, you're praying, and you're um, fasting. And all these things are part of your walk with the Lord so that, and it said it on all of them. I, I've kind of skipped over it, but I want to conclude with this point. It says, so that your Father who sees in secret will reward you. It, it said that about all of them. In other words, that God's going to reward those who are generous and secret. He's going to reward those who are, are praying in secret. He's going to reward those who are fasting in secret. Those who are focused on Him, He's the one who's going to reward them. This is where I think we get lost on a bad trade. We think we have what's best, but we actually don't. Years ago when I was a teenager, I, I don't know what happened to me. I, I think I was a little kid. I got put on a roller coaster I shouldn't have been on and I hated roller coasters for years. And I thought, man, I don't want to ride any of these things. They, they look terrifying. And I can't remember how old I was. Uh, at one point in time, I finally decided to get on one again. And when I got on it, I, I couldn't stop riding them. I loved it. And I, I thought, I mean, I was, the, I was the kid who, when all my friends would go ride a coaster, we're walking through a park, they'd all go ride and I'd go sit on the bench. That was me. I did that for years, but when I finally got to ride in roller coasters, I, I thought, man, this is awesome. And I rode everything. I, there's nothing I won't ride anymore. And so I'll ride whatever coaster, and I'll, with a little bit of age, some of the turns and flips aren't quite as fun as they used to be. But I love riding thrill rides like that, and I had no idea that there was something better for me. I thought the best thing was sitting there on the bench, I thought, Nah, I don't want to ride that. It's going to be terrible. And so I was worried about something else. And I think for a lot of us, we think, man, when I pray or fast or if I do any of these things, the best reward I'm going to get is the praise of man. It's going to be when somebody notices that I give. The best reward I'm going to get is when somebody notices how great I am at prayer. That's what reward I'm going to get. But in reality, you've settled for something far less. You've settled for the imitation. You've settled for something that's fake. It's not real. You have given up this heavenly reward the Father desires to give you. So if I were to encourage you in any regard here that there is great reward in seeking God alone in these areas. There is great reward in fasting. There is great reward in sincere, honest prayer. There's great reward, and this is one you don't hear very often, in giving. God made you to give and be generous. And if you're not giving, fasting, praying, you're missing out. You're missing out on the rewards of the Father. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for the fact that when you called us to obey you and to yourself, that you made it to be something that we can enjoy, that there was reward to be found in knowing you. So, Lord, I pray that you would turn our hearts and our affections from desiring the stuff of this world and the praise of man to where, Lord, we would ultimately desire to bring you honor and glory, that, that our hearts would be anchored in you and not the things of this world. 
We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.